And welcome to another edition of the Michigan Football Breakdown, focused on the offense without Borges. This is different. This is Ohio State week. Took us a little extra time to get prepared for this one, especially coming off of a an Illinois game contest. Which let me give those dudes credit. They're better than I thought, especially on defense. I am impressed, very impressed with the Illini plan, the coaching, the players. Now we're going to break down Michigan. We're going to talk about what they did wrong. But it's important as we start getting into this breakdown and let you know, that team, probably the best defense Michigan is going to say. I think their defense is better than Ohio State's. That's right. I said it. I'll say it again. I think that defense is better than the one they're about to see. And yet, part of what happened to Michigan was about Michigan, about the things that, that they didn't do well and things that they're going to have to improve upon heading into this game against Ohio State. Joining me as he does every single week, the man himself, he wrote a book. He used to coach football, right? He's my guy, Al Borges. Al, how you doing? I'm doing great, Sam. How about you? Are you going to get me a little pipe and a hat so I look like an author? Well, you know, everyone, Vance, he brought out a he brought out a little brim. He had a hat because Devin has everyone in the hat. Oh, no, but don't use Devin. Devin, he 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 dresses like Nanook the Eskimo when it's 70 degrees in the room. I, I, I just don't take my lead from him. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, you know, Devin is trying to set trends. But, you know, I always find it interesting to talk to you, talk to you guys to get your perspective on, on games, on, on the position, on the quarterback position. We're going to dive into that because one of the things that I really questioned both of you on hard this week was how do you get a quarterback in rhythm? Like, how do you, when he's struggling, how do you get him on track? How do you do some, some things that get him feeling good? And that's not always throwing two or three passes in a row, right? And so we'll get into that. Before we do, let's rewind the tape, Al, and take me through what you saw, Michigan, Illinois. This is not the bitter and the sweet yet, but Illinois' plan, Michigan's reaction to it, how things changed, if at all, when Blake Corm went out. What were your takeaways from that Illinois contest? Well, Illinois um... – and again, I talked to you before the game about Illinois because I had looked at them a couple days before the game, and I felt like the way they played, their style of play, never mind their athletes, was going to be tougher on Michigan than most of the defenses that they faced. And they are talented too, which, you know, you, you could have great schemes and no players and not look very good. I've, I've learned that one. But they are unique. They play a defense – all their fronts come from a one-high look, okay, where most teams do their disguises from a split safety look, and they'll spin safeties down, right, or they'll 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 stay in that that cover four quarters or roll corners up into quarter quarter half. Everything comes from split safety look. That's not Illinois. Illinois stays in a one-high look so they can keep the box loaded, and by keeping the box loaded, now they can run all those run blitzes, Sam. All, I call them rifles where they bring the, the strong outside linebacker and the safety outside the tight end and blow up those vertical seams when you're trying to run those duo plays and those gap plays, freeing up the Mike linebacker. So they And then when they want to go into cover two, which they will do, they will race the nickel back out of the, out of the, uh, out of the uh, 
underneath, take half the field, and sacrifice a little bit of positioning for some disguise. But the biggest thing about them is they want to stop that run, and they're going to put people up there. And and Michigan was at times victimized by some well-timed blitz looks, some, uh, like I said, the rifle blitzes and such. Everything they did, and not everything they did, but a lot of what they did rose hell with them. And when, when, when Blake went out of the game, a guy who could make that extra guy miss, it made a hell of a difference, particularly in the second half. They played man coverage, and they played sitting on cuts. They were not. They were going to make you take the ball over their head with either a deep ball or a double move, okay? So you got tight coverage on the back end. You got all kinds of pressures from the front with multiple numbers. Uh, that you know, If they're talented, that's tough. And if your quarterback's not feeling his oats, it could be a long night. So uh, I think that was the thing that stood out to me the most, okay? And JJ started the game. I think he hit. I think he hit maybe his first four or five passes. But but Illinois started making started making that more difficult. They started really squeezing those routes more. And he got out of rhythm. He never he got got in rhythm a little bit early. But he got out of rhythm, and then it became more and more of a struggle. They weren't running the ball as well. And as soon as you can't run the ball, what happens, Sam? You get bad down in distances. They start blitzing your ass. Okay. Or even if they're not blitzing you, they're they're uh, it's third and ten, and those guys on the outside are coming with their Ears pinned back and, and 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 not worried about runs and like it's a lot tougher on the quarterback. Uh, so I think uh, that was a big part of it. Now Michigan, I'm not making this this picture too ugly because Michigan did some good stuff. They had a couple of nice run variations with their counter bluff, their, their uh, lead power. There was some cool stuff in there they did, and they hit some runs. Hell, Corum had 100 yards in the first half. Sam, it was like they shut him down now. But now, what happens when he's not in there anymore? That that's what has to be addressed? How are we going to get one or more players to make up for what could be a, the loss of our best player? So the obvious answer is J.J. McCarthy. Yeah. J.J. McCarthy, been watching the dude for five years now, ball player. And while he struggled in this game, he tell you he missed throws. Uh, he wouldn't talk about the drops. Right. He wouldn't talk about, uh, man, you know, they didn't we didn't throw any shots to kind of loosen up the defense. He will he will focus on the fact that he just missed balls, which brings me. And some of them, some of them were, as Devin would call them, layups. Right. And that's what brought me to the question that I asked you before, because I I feel like in this game, if, if Blake and Donovan aren't themselves. Right. To your point, how do you compensate for that? I, I think JJ has that ability, that that ball player ability. Think about how much he struggled in that game. Yet in crunch time, in the clutch, he made key throws. He made big plays, right? And so, for me, I wonder, I wonder what they think of JJ. And, and here's why I ask that question, Alan. You you kind of, you know, jump in and. And and talk about rhythm for a quarterback. To me, you either think he's a, a a a game manager, just don't mess it up, you know, make a key throw when we when we need it, but you know, limit the limit the opportunity for you to mess it up for the run game. Or he's just that that guy. He's established himself as that big time quarterback. That hey, you know, if all else fails, we know we can go to you to save the day. 
Now he was able to do that against against Illinois, but is he to that point where, you know, you can call on him game in and game out in the fourth quarter and say, save us if he hasn't been in the lather the three quarters before? I don't know that he's there yet, which is why I ask you, Al, how do you get a quarterback in the rhythm? That's a general question. Specifically, how do you think you get J.J. in the rhythm? So those are two questions, and I, you as a quarterback coach and as an OC, I'm curious what your answers are. Well, in this next game, I think it's a lot easier to do that than it was in this last game. Now, let me explain why. Uh, Illinois was not giving, other than the first drive, and we watched that. Remember, we watched that. They tried to get him in rhythm, and, and he did a pretty good job with it. Uh, but after a while, they were making the short, high-percentage throws difficult. So now he was going to have to get in rhythm by hitting some balls down the field, and that ain't easy to do for any quarterback with any consistency, okay? But in this next game, they're much, much more of a zone team. There are some holes in their coverages. There are some things in the Michigan offense that can take advantage of that. And I think uh, one way to do what you're talking about is if you script 17 plays, 15, 17 plays, half of them are pass plays, and three-quarters of those are high-percentage throws. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, quick play passes where the ball's out quick, right? Uh, stick routes to the tight end, slants, things like that, ank routes, curl flats type deal. They're, they're good against these guys. An occasional RPO, an occasional RPO, which, again, comes out fast, serves as a play-action pass if, in fact, the defense gives that to you. If not, hell, let's run the ball into a light box. Right, Sam? Mm-hmm. So those types of things. But with that, there still has to be a portion of those plays where you're going to take that damn thing down the field. So if you script eight passes, nine passes, maybe two of them are shots, whether they're over people's head or some type of layered cut that gets a big chunk of yardage. That's always been my philosophy, no matter who you were playing, uh, in uh, in opening plays. But a team like uh, Illinois, I would tell the quarterback, they're not going to give us that short stuff. So we don't have to hit 70% of our passes. But the ones, the bombs we throw got to land. They got to land, or at least some of them do, to do enough damage to get them off us. But that said, I don't know how much of that you're going to get from Ohio State. I think the stage is such where there's some opportunities to get him in rhythm. Yeah, they, you know, Ohio State is way, you know, they're different. Now, they'll they'll dare you to be methodical, right? Now, I don't know if they they will do that to Michigan as much as they do to other, because Michigan has shown they're willing to be methodical, right? And they'll just run it down your throats. So, it, you know, maybe we see Ohio State kind of take a little bit different posture, try to put the ball uh, you try to put more of the pressure on, on J.J. Uh, to make some plays down the field because he he showed early in this game, okay, he's, you know, you give him some high percentage throws, right, soft coverage, okay, boom. He was feeling, then he got out of rhythm, Al, and uh, get back to it. Devin said, oh, he, he missed the layup here. There, there was a point, there was a return. There was a, you know, he had a guy, I think it might have been Ronnie, open on a return, and he just flat missed it. Yeah. Now, just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Not on Ronnie, not on the conditions. J.J. just flat missed it. 
And I said, you know, I asked Devin at the time, I said, hey, so, you know, how much of that is him being out of rhythm? And, you know, can they do things? Because this is, I, I know this dude. Like someone just said in the uh, in the messages, talking about, he said, you can do video. You can talk about how long you've seen J.J. play. You've never seen him have the reins of a college team. It's different than beating up on high schoolers or coming off the bench. When there is a pass seven yards away, and you don't have pressure, and you miss it. I don't care. That that's, that has nothing to do with it being a college college uh, opponent, high school opponent. He missed a a pass that he can make in his sleep, Al. And so that's that's why I was asking the question about rhythm and and achieving it, and and he's out of it. I, I'm curious when you watch him and you see some of the misses. Uh, he wasn't even making earlier in the season. What do you see? Is is there a thread? Is there a common theme to to why you you've seen things kind of fluctuate, kind of go up and down here that can that can maybe be uh, addressed in I don't know even a minor way heading into the final game. Well, I think everything to me, Sam, starts off with fundamentals, and if you think that the kid is not throwing the ball like he's capable of. And I think most people would agree that at this point, J.J. has demonstrated he can do these things. You know what I'm saying? Uh, So um, my point is go back to fundamentals. Mm -hmm. You with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't we have you go out of the room, Al, and then come back in? You kind of froze up there a little bit. So go out. Come back in. We'll see if we can, if we can kind of catch you back up. All right, no problem. All right, so you, we'll do that. We'll get Al Borges back in uh, because you know you look back uh, at, uh, at at that game and it, you talk about fundamentals to be able to. And this is one of the things I've heard you talk about, Al, to be able to repeat the fundamentals. So back, I I need you to back out of the room, Al. Back out of the room. You got it. And, and then follow the link back into the room and see if that fixes your lag issue. No there. problem. See if we can get you we, back on point. Yeah, yeah, we've dealt with this before. I got you. Yeah, yeah. So one of those things where, you know, being able to repeat mechanics is one of the things that we heard. I heard Al talk about this week. Heard Devin talk about this week. Is that that is something uh, you, you can see him drive a whole shot. And and how said this perfect weight transfer. He drives the football and it's right there. And then you see a little bit later in the game where, you know, he throws it over Colston Loveland's head. And the, you know, the difference, the distinction between the two is he said, Man, I, I just see a difference in his in his footwork. And we have gorgeous Borges back. So Al, you talk about you talk about fundamentals and repeatable to be able to repeat the, the fundamentals the same time every single time. When I was asking you, like, what did you see? That was the thing that you sort of highlighted. You said you don't see it being the same every single time. Yeah, and there has to be a consistency to it because every step the quarterback takes counts. I mean, you take one you shouldn't take, and the ball's off time. If you take it in the running game, you can't hook up correctly with the back. Everything is so critical that you're very finite with your footwork and your fundamentals and such. And what can happen, and I've been guilty of this, is as you get more into the season – uh, you get more into scheming and you get more into game planning and all that. And if you don't keep an eye on it, uh, it can deteriorate. 
and, and so you got to sometimes when you have a game like this, it gets your attention. I know it did with me is, uh, Hey man, I'm, I'm so interested in teaching them how to read a high, low or a middle flood or something that I'm not seeing to it. The ball's coming out on time based on footwork. So, uh, I would go back and, you know, really be grade myself hard. Say, Hey, I gotta, I gotta go back to the foundation of the position. Because in this game, J.J. threw some balls off balance, didn't get his hips set to the throw, was late on a couple of balls. And the ball that went through Andrew Anthony's he's le- hands, he was lucky that ball wasn't intercepted because the safety played it very poorly. Andrew should have caught it, but it was thrown late. So my point is, is those little things, you got to refine them all the time and stay stay on top of yourself about making them do it and then stay on top of him once you well, make him understand that it's an important thing from game one to the last game of the season. Yeah, so so to me, he, here's the thing. And I, I think that J.J. has the – I think he has amazing potential. I, I think he has all the tools to be a fantastic drop-back passer. Uh, fantastic drop-back passers have repeatable mechanics, right? They do it the same Every time their footwork's tied to the throw, everything that you preach about, Al, those things are givens. Those things are works in progress for for JJ. And I'm sure these are things that he's working on on his own. Like you, you don't have to tell him. All right, man. I, he's. I'm telling you, he's drilling himself. But in the here and now, in the moment, there's some things he's already good at. He's already good at throwing on the run, throwing mm-hmm. on the move. And if it's not there, doing some improv and running. And you know what else he seems really comfortable with? RPOs. And that's why when I that's why I say I don't know quite what they think because that's a trust thing. RPOing, that's that's you the coordinator saying, Hey young fella, go make me right. You you told me one time that's what coordinators hey. They can't be wrong with RPO. Can't right? be wrong with RPO. I always said that. I tell young coordinators that I go, "Hey, don't fall in love with this RPO stuff." Now, I've done it and it's great, but what happens? You want to put it all on the quarterback now, and he shouldn't have. He's got enough responsibility in the game without making him do that fifty times a game. You call seventy-five percent of the game and let him RPO the other twenty-five percent. So right, and so here's here's what I'm getting at. Throwing on the move, improv, and all that. That's that's one thing. RPO is another thing. Both re- re- require some some trust, right? Because you're you're taking some plays, some runs, maybe even away from your run, your proven tailbacks. Uh, but then you're you're putting a lot of when you talk about RPO, you're putting a lot of decision making, right, in his hands, right? And I just don't know where they are in that in in, in that level of trust. The the Stetson Bennett level of trust. Cause you go back to that, that game. And this is one of the things that I thought was going to be a big difference going from Cade to JJ, not just the athleticism and the arm. Those are big. You know, Cade was, you know, Cade did a, a great job for, for Michigan. One of the RPOs weren't his thing. That's not a disparagement. That's not to, to denigrate. That just wasn't his forte. So they didn't call a lot of them. And that was, that was a glaring and stark contrast in the Orange Bowl when Stetson Bennett, they looked like 13 in the first half. Al, they were RPing the heck out of Michigan. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. When they and get remember changed, something, Sam. Remember something now. Two weeks earlier, they wanted Stetson Bennett out. Out of there. <laughs> he was at, but he, because he was he, the Alabama game, I think it was, he was not good. 
I don't think the RPOs were looking so good that day, okay? Right. But he grew. He grew from that. You know what I mean? And when they needed him, he put on an RPO clinic at the Michigan game. (laughs) He did. Hey, you facing loaded boxes and and your run game isn't – loaded boxes don't matter as much. I mean, they matter, but not nearly as much when you got Blake Horn and Donovan Edwards. Yeah, but think of it, Sam. What if you got both? What if you can RPO? And I don't mean, again, I'm use them, don't abuse them, guy in RPOs. But you got a way to attack a bloated box with an RPO slash play action. And you got a back that can beat the extra defender. Put those two together, okay? You got an offense now. You do. You do. But uh, again, uh, that's that trust thing. I mean, if I know. Sure. I know I hand it to this guy. He doesn't fumble. He's going to make two, three, four guys miss. He might break it and go to distance. I, I'm, I'll play the safe route, coach. Yeah. Hey, just just let's take you back into coaching mode, Al Borges. I mean, if you were coaching and you got the best running back in the country and an offensive line that's road grading over people and they're loading the box and it doesn't matter, you're probably handing the football off. It's just easy to do, right? Easy it ain't that heavy, Sam. That ball's light. Blake <laughs> can carry that thing. He could carry it for miles, and it wouldn't it wouldn't bug him a bit. See, but now you don't have. You might not have that. And, and so that's why I said, you know what? What do they think of Jay? I, I think it's not like you're going to go out and, and throw it fifty times or call you know sixty percent of your plays are RPOs. But I, I wonder if they mix it in just more than. Once they was one as much as Illinois loaded the box, and they RPO'd them one time mm-hmm. in the game, and I, I just I wonder if you can afford to do that if you're without a Blake Quorum or you know he's mm-hmm. very limited. And same thing with Donovan Edwards. Can you afford to do that in this game, or do you have to put more on the young fella's shoulders and say, "Hey, let's let's go see you be a ball player, young fella. Let's see what you can do." You might have to. Uh... Whether it's RPOs or it's maybe five to six more passes, five to seven more passes, maybe 10 more passes. Okay. I wouldn't want to put 40 plus on him and expect to win the game because your odds are not good. Not that you can, but it's not, it's not percentages tell you when you throw that many balls, particularly with a guy that hasn't done that, some bad things are going to happen eventually. But he may have to up the ante a little bit. And it, RPOs may be part of that. I don't know. But or more play action passes, but something that puts the ball in number nine's hands and doesn't depend on the guy that you're handed it to to be Superman, which to this point in the season kind of has been. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I I, I don't want to make RPO sound like a panacea. It is no, because they are not a panacea, but they are great equipment for your offense to deal with heavy boxes, and especially for this guy. You know, at a in a moment where he might be struggling some, like you said, balances the equation in the box, gets the ball out quick. He's shown the the ability to read them, mm-hmm. right? I don't know, especially in the absence of of a lot of alternatives. Because you look at this game uh, against Illinois, I was talking about the first down play call, and you said, "Well, Sam, I mean, hell, I'm calling plays. I'm thinking about they they. I got." My quarterback is missing throws. My receivers are dropping balls or not getting open. I might just hand it off. Here's the problem. Al, you compound the issue at that point when it's minus one, 
one, one, one, two, three. Pop one for seven, but one, one. Now it's second and long. Now that issue that you had is worse, right? Sam, so, what's Sam? What did I tell you? The call sheet looks like looks like a blur. <laughs> you look at it, and you go, man, there ain't anything on there I like right now. You know, it's so funny with play call in certain games. You could shut your eyes and point to the play, and it works. And then there's games where, like the last one, where they're in the play on that damn sheet looks worth a damn. But that's when you're challenged most as a play caller. And sometimes it comes down to what you saw the other night is getting it done in the end and maybe depending on the defense a lot more than you wanted to. Mm -hmm. But it got done. It got done. With a lot of ugly football, it got done. And that is the sign. And I want to make this clear to the Michigan fans. That's the sign of a great team. You are not going to play 14 or 15 football games and wipe your opponent off the map every week. Somebody is going to raise hell with you, and it's probably going to be more than one team. You're going to have a 19-17 game. You're going to have a 21-14 to game or, or whatever. It's going to be a battle. And can those teams still win the game somehow? And sometimes what it comes down to is a matter of willing the victory. Just wanting to win the game more by making a play in a clutch, coach making a clutch call, whatever, to get that thing done when it ain't looking as pretty as you'd like it to look. But do not expect your football team to blow everybody off the map every week because it's not happening. I had a 13-0 team at, at, at Auburn, and we blew a lot of people up, but we had a couple tough ones too. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so, Al, I want to get to the bitter and the sweet and the grades before we switch gears. We get to Ohio State, your scout on them, and get to the questions. Folks, uh, if you have questions for Al Borges, you can start putting them in the, in, the, uh, in the comments now. Whether you're on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook, put them in the comments. We'll start getting to some of those questions a little bit down the line. And after Al gets done with the grades, I'm going to tell you about a special opportunity special new offering here in Ann Arbor, courtesy of Jim Harbaugh. You don't want to miss that. That's called a tease. Going to tell you about that in a few minutes, so stay tuned. But, Al, let's get to your bitter and your sweet. Okay. Uh, the bitter was uh, uh, the inability to consistently throw the ball because that really, in the second half of the football game when Blake got hurt, uh, we had to have guys making plays. And it wasn't always just the quarterback, okay? We had to do a, a better job of protecting when we weren't running the ball as well. People had to step up. They did in the end. God bless them. But I think unless they're able to balance their offense, in particular in times where they're not rushing the ball as well, they're gonna be, there's going to be problems. So I think that's the first thing. Uh, handling teams that are – up there in a box giving you a bunch of run blitzes. Now, there's been two teams that have, that jump out at me, and that's Indiana and Illinois. Those two teams 
showed very similar thinking, I will say, not exactly the same schemes, but similar thinking in terms of run blitzing uh, Michigan. So I think uh, they got to handle that better than they did and, and, and still be able to be functional with the run game, even if they don't have their best player. And that's challenging. I'm not making that sound easy because it's not, okay? The, uh, still, uh, this is a couple weeks in a row now where we're still not handling man coverage as well as we could uh, with our receiver core. Uh, we made some plays. We're getting open against zone, doing that. But we need to, to get some more shots down the field so we can take some bigger chunks. Uh, total yardage was 376 to their 326. But this this team is capable of being a 500-yard or close to 500-yard-a-game team uh, if they are hitting on all cylinders. But that that part of their game, I think, is has uh, got to take another step if they're going to beat the Biggies, and the Biggies are coming up, okay? Um, but I think those were kind of the – the biggest deals, I think, too, the the cool things, the thing I thought was sweet, I love seeing the screen. And we're going to talk about it in the, uh, the, uh, the telestrations. But, boy, oh, boy, was that nice. I mean, it, it kept two drives going. Big plays, big chunks. Uh, the fly action screen was big. Run variations to counter bluff, which we'll detail in the telestrations, was, in, was a cute wrinkle that got a big run from Blake, I think his biggest run of the game. Uh, the opening play of the game, the lead power, with uh, where they ran a power play, led uh, Ronnie Bell up in there. They ran that a couple times. Both of them were hits. The first one was a big hit, okay? Um, but those those types of things, those were really cool. Um, and the thing that I can't say enough about, you know, is coming through in a clutch. Jake Moody, uh, and we, this is an offensive show, but trust me, as far as I'm concerned, Jake can come into my meeting anytime he feels like it, and he, I'm going to consider him an offensive player because he is money. He is money. So, you know, just keep in mind, he, he's eventually going to miss one, okay? That doesn't make him a bad kicker because everybody misses one eventually. But he has been solid when it counted, and that is uh, that isn't necessarily offense, but that is a suite of massive proportions. So, uh, J.J., Got to get him more accurate. The type of accuracy he was showing early in the season, where he was, you know, upper seventies, eighty percent. I don't expect that, but he's got to throw the ball. He's got to make more routine throws, more routine completions, and I think he'd be the first one to tell you that. So, um, so there was there was some sweet. It wasn't all bitter, but um, it's going to have to take another step this coming week. The coach has got to take a step, empty the drawer, man. It's Ohio State. Don't leave anything in the drawer. If you got it, use it. Don't worry about championship games or, uh, you know, playoff games. The hell with that. This is the championship. This is the playoff game. So whatever they got, let it rip. Players, play like it's the last time you'll ever put pads on, even though it ain't going to be. So uh, I think that's how you got to think of this game. That's the way I thought of every rivalry that I ever coached in. And, and, you know, Sam, something else I want to mention too is I always, as a coordinator, kept a locker. I think we mentioned this a year ago. I think you had the question is, do you ever save anything? I go, I hate to say save it, but I will put plays in a locker designed just for Ohio State or designed just for Alabama when I was in Auburn or designed just for USC when I was at UCLA. 
and there'd be four or five of them that they had none of them on tape. They'd never, they'd have to go back five years, and most guys won't do that on some of the plays we ran. So uh, pull them out. Don't be afraid to run your quarterback in this game. I was always a little hesitant early in the year, Sam, to run the quarterback too much because if he got hurt in game two, you know, I was wanting to jump off a bridge, you know. But we're in game 12, okay? Throw caution to the wind. Run your bluffs. Put in a plus one run. Run your crack sweep, your quarterback crack sweeps. Run anything, quarterback draws. Don't be afraid to let it rip with him now because we're down, coming down to home stretch and we won't want to leave any bullets in the gun. So uh, that was always my approach. Sometimes it was good. Sometimes maybe not as good. But I did not want to uh, – what did, what did Cortez do when he – he burned all his – he burned all his ships, didn't he? Because yeah, he wasn't coming back, right? He wasn't coming back. Well, when this game's over, you ain't coming back. That's it. You either win or you lose. So – all right, Al. Great. Great. Okay. Oh, this wasn't this wasn't a good great game, Sam. It just wasn't. I unfortunately, uh, although I don't think the O line played that bad. I think I had them with twenty seven minuses totally. Pretty darn good when you consider it's uh, it's uh, four guys. I had the O line with a B. I thought technique. I thought Trump did a good job. I just think there were some free defenders sometimes that they couldn't do anything about. You know what I mean? Uh, tight ends were B minus, uh, mostly blocking, but some inexperience on routes, uh, screwed up JJ a couple times. Uh, the guys that had not been doing much of it were in there and, and, and that screwed up. I gave the wide receivers a C. I did not think they played particularly well blocking or receiving probably of the 11 games. That was probably the worst I'd seen them. I gave uh, JJ a C to C minus. And most of it was accuracy and throws. That was the biggest part. As terms of his heart, I give him an A because he had a great will to win at the end. But but we need more than that to beat the biggies. Okay, and then the running backs. Uh, I mean, it, it, I gave him a B because I gave him a B to B minus. But because Coram didn't play half the game, some kids had to be in there that hadn't played much. And it's not like they did bad. They did the best they could. But there were a few plays that could have been made that weren't. So, uh, but overall, the offense was a C plus to B minus, but, and that's kind of cutting them a little slack. I get, only gave them that much because I thought their will was strong. I thought they wanted to win that football game more than Illinois did. And Illinois wanted to win it pretty bad. So, uh, like I say, sometimes you just got to will wins. And I think this is one of those. Well, I'm going to say again, as we get to this, uh, this announcement for you, you diehard Michigan fans out there. I put some respect on Illinois' name. I may, maybe I'm talking to myself. They're legit. I mean, and I haven't been the only defensive coordinator in this league I've been more impressed with than than Brian Walter. I mean, Ryan Walters is Jesse Minter. Jesse Minter has been tremendous. He's a Broyles Award finalist, but so is Ryan Walters. He's just short. That's no disrespect intended uh, to Phil Parker, uh, but. Their plan was good, and they have some ball players, and so that needs to be needs to be stated. And yet, Michigan left a lot of meat on that bone, and they're going to have to take more of it off against the Buckeyes. All right, which we'll start talking about here shortly. But I teased an announcement for you guys. So, digital collectibles, people. 
there's one thing that connects, uh, you know, generations, soundtracks to our lives, right? The sounds we know, the voices we trust, they come from everywhere, everywhere we've been, everywhere we'll go. It could be sports, it could be music, it could be history. Well, a new marketplace platform called Distinct has teamed with Jim Harbaugh. Team with Jim Harbaugh for a special digital collectible focused on Ann Arbor, right? And Distinct is Trusted Home. It's the first audio digital collectible company, the first collectible marketplace focused solely on audio content. If you don't know what an audio digital collectible is, it's unique content created exclusively for Distinct that you can purchase. Uh, audio digital collectibles on Distinct will feature voices like Jim Harbaugh's that you know and trust. And so now they have the Ann Arbor digital collectible featuring Jim Harbaugh. It's the first audio digital collectible available as part of their college town collection. It invokes the sights and sounds of the town that resonates with everyone who spent time here, just like Jim. And as always with Distinct digital collectibles, all owners of Ann Arbor will be privy to specially specially themed events, right? I'm going to tell you about some of those, but here's a little sample, a little sample for your head guys getting ready for the Ohio State game. Hope he has a fantastic game plan ready. But here's a little message from old Jim Harbaugh himself about his favorite time. If you know, you know. Ann Arbor, Michigan, the 734. There's just nothing like it. From the moment you side-saddle the river to you first step on the diag, you realize it's more than a destination. It's more than an institution. And it's even more than Saturdays in the fall. Although those are pretty special. Yes, sir. Distinct. So, I love it. Uh, look, there are only a thousand of these digital collectibles available, you can go to distinct.so, distinct.so, and purchase yours. Start getting your your Jim Harbaugh audio digital collectible, and there will be special opportunities coming along with that. They're going to be giving away some some specialty gifts to to collectible owners, and there will be special events. What if there was, I don't know, a Q&A with a certain member of the Michigan staff that was geared to people who own the collectibles? What if there was a film study that if you were a collectible owner, that uh, maybe we had a chalk talk session with a certain member of a certain football staff? These are all opportunities that could be at your disposal if you go over and check out Distinct, right? Distinct.so. Be sure to get on over there and check it out. Get your digital collectible now. 100 bucks get you in, and only a 1,000 of them available. So get them while you can. All right, Al, tell us about the Buckeyes, my man. Okay, the Buckeyes, they're a little different than Illinois. This is to, from a configuration standpoint on the back end. They start with two high looks like so many do, okay? Uh, they play some man-to-man, but they are not primarily a man-to-man defense. Their starting point for defense is to play zone, to move their front some, they will show you what I call scrape blitzes where they'll knife the end inside, bring the nickel off the edge, and scrape the linebacker. They'll spin safeties into the box, 
play one high with cover three. Uh, they'll pinch their front some. Occasionally, they'll jump into an odd look, particularly when Sawyer, number 33, is in the game. You'll see more of that with him than you will the other guys. Um, they will play conventional cover two, a conventional two-deep zone with some robber twos where they can sit a guy in the middle to protect those two safeties. Uh, but, you know, they play – their defense to me is – it's not real complicated. There's enough variation to it to where you just don't know, you know, here it comes. But it doesn't structurally – I'm not talking about players because that's a whole different thing, and that's the most important thing, I might add – does not structurally create a lot of problems for what Michigan wants to do. Where I thought Illinois did, you know, I don't know that – that. uh Ohio State does. Now, I think the next question a lot of people like to ask is, well, why wouldn't they just do what Illinois did? Well, that's just not their culture. They can put those things in. They won't be any good at them because they didn't practice them from day one, and they probably put their players in bad positions if they try to mimic what Illinois did. Illinois does what Illinois does because that's what they've done from the first day they walked out to the practice field. So uh, I think uh, some of the – I can't even say this guy's name, Sam. You might have to help me. I don't think you can either. But it's uh, JT. Just call him JT. Tui Mua. Uh, forget it. What am I talking? <laughs> all my, you know, it's funny. All my, all my, player. Call him JT all my Samoan player. players used to tell me, Coach, just an, enunciate every vowel and you can get his name right. Well, I know. JT, JT got, got too many vowels for me now. I can't hey, deal with that one. JT made too many plays for Penn State. He won that game by himself. See. Oh, he, yeah, he's a good player. He's, he's uh, he, number 44. He will play. Uh, Mostly on the left side. I've seen him line up on the right side, uh, but he is a very good football player. Uh, Ty Hamilton, their nose guard, plays you know plays a shade. He's he's a good solid player. Vincent, a defensive tackle, number six, and uh, Zach Harrison, they're what they call their Jack, uh, which would lead you to believe he's a linebacker, but he really isn't. He's much more of a defensive lineman. Uh, Chambers and I believe it's Eichelberg. Play the Mike and the Will linebackers inside. Active kids, they kind of get them all lined up right. It was not bad. Uh, Hickman, 14 and 12. Uh, Ramson are their safeties. Uh, 14 and 15, their nickel guy. Uh, uh, Tanner McAllister, they kind of line up on the same side. And then 12, and uh, I think 41 started the last game. So I'm not sure these guys are going to be in there, but I've watched four or five games. These are the people I've seen for the most part. Uh, Cameron Brown, 26, started the last game, but he has not played near as much as some of the other kids have. And uh, uh, number 10, Denzel Burke, he has played a lot, and he usually plays left corner. Good athlete, good player. But, uh, I mean, they're solid. They got, they're got they Ohio State. They got some guys. I mean, they were, who were kidding me, right? But so does Michigan. So does Michigan. And uh, the matchup, is not is anything but a mismatch. Okay, now would I like to have uh, Blake Corum? You damn right I would. Okay, I'm not going to minimize that. But uh, this is not a team uh, that should be able to take Michigan apart. I can't see it. Not the way Michigan's played defense this year. And if you add to it bad elements, which are always possible, I think that plays to Michigan's advantage. And proof of that is if you look at Michigan or Ohio State playing a couple other games, i.e. the Northwestern game, uh, they rendered themselves at times inept in that game uh, offensively, which I never would have thought. 
but it was the it wasn't it was the elements that was that was keeping him. And the running game is at times been a little erratic, and I heard their running back might be hurt. So I don't. I mean, this is this is a this is a pick'em game. I mean, anybody. And, and I, let me tell you something, Tim. I don't personally think I think playing in Columbus is an advantage for Ohio State. I don't think it's a huge advantage. I think that most rival games that I've been involved in, they motivated themselves, and you didn't really care who was in the stands. You know, now that's a lot bigger has a lot bigger effect, I think, in other games. You know, where you're not as motivated, but you can bet that the Wolverines will come out inspired to play these guys. And uh, so, yep, I guess it's a home field advantage, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's worth many points. I'll say that. Gotcha. All right, Al. Time to get to the questions. All right. So let's start off first with Jay. Jay Al says we understand that third and fourth string running backs aren't going to be as good as Blake or Edwards. But did you see any change in the blocking? It seemed our guys kept getting tackled behind the line. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great question because uh, how many times did you see that happen to Blake Corum? <laughs> Not very often, right? right? The one thing we said, the fun thing we said about our offense run game is two things, right? They vary their looks with a multitude of tight end movements and and they get all their plays started. You know what I mean? Well, in this game, you didn't have those guys that could win those one-on-one deals like in other games. And uh, Illinois was showing them all kinds of run blitzes, all kinds of leaking fronts where vertical scenes were blown up and sell out, selling out sometimes and giving something else up to say, hey, they're not throwing the ball very good. Let's make them beat us that way. So, yeah, there was probably some of that. But that has not been an acute problem for Michigan, just the opposite, really. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, whoever has to take that football, they can get those plays started and we'll see some nice runs. Yeah. They started playing with, with more abandon. Yeah. No Blake doubt. Out, though. I mean, it was like no a – No doubt. I mean – They had no feet. Right. One play, the free safety's coming off the weak side. The next play, the strong safety's coming with the strong outside linebacker off the strong side. If they got you in a 30 uh, – in a in – a, passing situation they got into 30 twisted both backers with little target blitzes i mean it was no you know how defensive guys are sam they're like when the sharks the shark sees blood in the water yeah that's exactly what it was like uh let's go back and to the questions edwin johnson the fourth says former ohio state coach on another channel broke down film and says michigan can't block a bear front and that osu will run a ton of bear front against michigan all right so al What's a bear front? And do you agree that Michigan can't block a bear front? <laughs> Basically, 3-4 defense, contemporary 3-4 defense is a bear front. You play with two four eyes, which are two defensive tackles inside the tackles, your tackles. A nose guard, which is zeroed up, which means he's right on the nose in the center. And you got two guys coming off the edge. So, uh First, well, first of all, that's a bare front, okay? They're going to load up. It's another way to cover every single guy, okay, and play with a loaded box, right? And it is a good run defense. But to say Michigan can't block it, they've been blocking basically bare defenses the entire year. Um, number two is, uh, unless it was goal line, I haven't seen Ohio State line up in a bare defense yet, okay? So... If they did it, it would be out of their culture, 
and it's likely they're not going to be near as good at it. So um, they may run it. I don't know. But I don't think that is going to make a difference or trick Michigan in any way. Because I think they'll they'll handle that just fine. All right. JR says, Roman Wilson was the deep threat last year. Why does it seem we're forcing it to Andrell over Roman? Is Roman not getting separation? I, You know, this is... This is an interesting, especially last week, Al. I want you to tell me if my thinking is right. Because I want to say it was maybe the Rutgers game or the Michigan State game. You said that this is a great matchup game for Roman. You remember you said that? It never really materialized. And it feels like role definition for the receivers isn't isn't a thing. They all run, you know, all the routes. Whereas it does seem, at least to me, that Roman Wilson is their best deep threat, right? And and often might be their best matchup considering he's going to draw, like, he's going to draw a nickel. He's going to draw a safety. He's getting their third or fourth best cover guy. Lesser, yeah, lesser coverage guys, right? Right. And so, it, but it doesn't seem like they have positioned, they have, they have put him in that role. Like, hey, we're going to make sure we take some deep shots to Roman and, and, I wonder if that might be part of what can help them evolve as a, even this late in the season as a passing game is to to maybe do a little more of that role definition. I mean, especially considering the lack of success they've had going other places. Why not give Roman a few more? Yeah, I'd, I'd sure like to see it. I, I love the kid. I think the kid's really a good player. What happened a little bit with Roman is he got hurt a few weeks back. Then he got and sick. Too. Yeah. He got sick. And, and since that time, he has not been uh, featured as much. I'm not sure it's him. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know the dynamic. Okay, and there's always stories, backstories that you and I don't know about, right? But I know with the ball in his hands, he's dangerous now. He has the ability to separate on routes and the ability to run after catch once it's the ball's in his hands. So uh, he's always a guy in my mind that uh, could have a big game anytime. And why not now? You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm all, totally on board with the gentleman that asked the question. I'd like to see Roman get about five to seven touches in this game if it can be done. This is a tough question. XXB, the, I'm uh, sorry, I don't know your name. But he said, do you think the co-coordinators will help or hurt us if we fall behind fast versus Ohio State? You know, they haven't really given the breakdown of who does what. I can tell you in the past, Jim has had a, He's had a, a third down, a red zone guy. He's had a between the 20s, uh, first and second down between the 20s guy. Uh, there are times where he had, you know, more than two coordinators, where maybe it was a run game, a pass game, goal line, uh, red zone. Uh, you know, that, this, I would, I would venture a guess. You call it a gut feeling that you have, you know, you have um, third down red zone. And then you have between the 20s, first and second down. If I had to guess, I'd say Sharon between the 20s, first, second down, uh, Weiss, third down red zone. Now, that I can't give you that as the official. I can't say that's official. I'm just looking at how things were in the past and, you know, kind of seeing uh, what the what the expertise is, especially Weiss being a numbers guy, an analytics guy. It just makes sense that that would be the breakdown. And so, Al, I, you know, I don't know if you've ever been a part of a play caller dynamic 
So I, I really don't know how you can, if you can speak to how it meshes, especially when you're, you're behind. Well, I, I don't, I'd never been in that. <laughs> I think I told you this before I called over 30,000 football plays in my career, but I called them all and some of them weren't very good. And some of them were pretty good, but I never had another guy doing it. So I don't really know uh, how that works, but I, I do know this. They're not going to change it. Right based on this game, whatever they've been doing that has taken them to 11 and 0, they're going to continue to do. And they should the play calling to me is, ah, you know, I don't want to make it minimize it because I think it's important, but I think what's more important is that uh, the players are taught the schemes, the fundamentals, the blocking, the tackling, everything that goes into winning football games. Yes. The coach's job to get them in position to do so, but that can be a little overrated sometimes. But I do believe that uh, whatever they've been doing, that's what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. All right. Get back to the questions. Tyler W. says, big picture question. Did JJ and K competing and splitting reps all offseason impact the connection with the receivers this season, Al, what do you think about that? No, I don't think now. No, they, he's worked with them enough now where I don't think that's an issue. Now, that could be early on. Yeah, that could be where, uh, you know, he's always throwing the ball to the to the two receivers or whatever, and it takes some acclimating. But he's played with them now enough. That I, don't, I, I see that as a non-issue now. He's thrown enough square outs. He's thrown enough slants. He's thrown enough shallows. He's thrown enough. Now they're not always perfect looking in the game, but I don't believe that that is the issue. And I could see why that question was asked because I think there were a couple of mis- more miscommunications in this game between receiver and quarterback than there's been in others. Okay, but uh, I don't. They just got to got to work those things out. But I think timing and such. Uh, I don't think it's an issue. He's been playing long. He's been playing for a while now. Mm-hmm. All right. Shadyville, 03. Ohio State has a really good pass rush. Should we focus on making quick, short passes, especially on early downs? Make sure third down is always manageable. What to say you, Al Borges? Short, quick rhythm throws and, and, a, and a good, hard downhill running game. What they've been doing, absolutely. And then occasionally, occasionally, Sam, every fourth or fifth first down pass, take one out and let it rip. Right, you got to do that because you you can't depend on consistently moving the ball down the field incrementally every single time with a bunch of short passes. Although I love short passes, it's always been a big part of my thinking. But there has to be some bites, some chunks. You know what I mean? So yes, yes, but not all the time. And if they can maintain the type of running they've been able to do, a rushing they've, they've been able to do, they'll be fine. All right. Shadyville is back. I, I sort of touched on this earlier. What needs to be done to get J.J. in a rhythm early? Yeah, high percentage throws. Just Is that just what we're talking about? Quick rhythm, high percentage throws, uh, some pitch and catch throws, uh, hank routes or curl flat type deals, stick routes, slants, uh, sit swings, lookies, all that stuff and get out of his hands quick. They play zone a ton, so it's kind of built for it. You know, you got a good scenarios to throw it into. Um, do it early, do it often, get him confident, and he won't be missing any more return routes mm-hmm. or throwing 
dig routes over the guy's head. Because once a kid like him starts feeling his oats and his hits a few, I think the Ohio State will be in trouble if they can get him confident and get him off. That's why I said, you know, what does he like? I know he likes to throw and the move, man. Yeah, naked boots. That, that's been a good thing. That wasn't as good last game, but it's been pretty good. But pocket movement passes, nakeds, uh, follow. You know, they have, they've done a couple things where they've come in behind the fake and followed the fake. They come, But mostly the, the stuff that they've done has been fake one direction, go the other, whether it be a waggle, whether it be a naked or whatever, and he's good at that stuff. Yeah, well, you know, there are things that, that we see that, you know, it's not like everything we said has been so abstract. They don't do it. Like we talked about play passes. Uh, they came out and they play pass more in the first half of this game. I mean, I think it's like five or six play passes. Now they just weren't shots. They were, you know, they were more, you know, intermediate throws mm-hmm. as opposed to downfield throws. I wonder if they'll, if they'll add the downfield element if, for no other reason. I mean, you want to hit the play, but you also, I mean, even when they're incomplete, they achieve an objective of making them, respect that you will try to throw it over their heads. Illinois never had that respect, right? And so No, no, they did not. And that was a huge part of the issue, right? They never felt like they had to come out of their loaded boxes or come bet more than that, come out of their man to man coverage. Yeah. Yeah. So and then RPO. I mean we we talked about it like again, I, I mentioned I mentioned that as part of the the menu of what he's comfortable with. And what could be part of getting him in the rhythm. So, you know, we'll see. I'm no play caller like my esteemed colleague over here. Now, now that he's not coaching anymore, I could call you a colleague, Al. Because you're a media Thanks. guy now. You're media I really guy. appreciate that. I, I feel so special. <laughs> All right. Andrew Bailey says, Al mentioned Indiana, Indiana and Illinois as the two teams utilizing heavy run blitzes. After Indiana, Michigan ran crazy on Penn State. Could it be a case of the team needing a reminder before a big performance? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And again, the style of defenses, uh, without getting into all the intricacies, because then we talked about a little bit on the we'll talk about a little bit on the telestration side, but the style of defense that that uh, Ohio State plays is not like Illinois. And it, it just caters more to the way Michigan plays. Now, will they change some things? They might, but I don't think you're going to get them reinventing the wheel defensively. They have played well enough to think that they're pretty good. So, uh, uh, but, you know, having a game like this last game can be a bit of a wake-up call, if that's what the question was. I kind of think it was. And I think you're going to get a pretty darn good performance up front, particularly. All right. Winding down on the questions. I mean, I could go with these all night, but uh, we only have so much time. All right. JR asks, it seems 20 yards and less. JJ is highly accurate. Can we win if we limit our pass game to within 20 yards? No. No, that's just what I'm saying. You can't. No, you can't win. But you can throw a lot of passes inside of 20 yards, but you can't throw them all inside of 20 yards because there's a point you got to stretch a defense. Because you can't play that way. You know, it's and you got to pick and choose. You got to time out the right calls. You got to get the right matchups, hope for the right coverage, and and you know put the kids in the most advantageous position to take a big bite out of the team's ass. That's, but no, you can't win the game just trying to throw the ball under twenty yards. All right, next one. All right, so standing both. Okay, so Al, give us three effective offensive plays 
Michigan can run to surprise Ohio State. Asking you to go in the trick bag there, Al. Oh. I mean, I could give them 33 plays. But, <laughs> <laughs> but first of all, you don't just, you know, you got, it's got to fit who you got, number one. You get, I mean, I could wallpaper the walls. I have, Sam, I have a, a hard drive of over 450 cutups over 20 years. I got plays, plays, and more plays, but it don't matter what the plays are. It matters who the players are. But I think, I think uh, one thing I will say, I think uh, they're ready for a reverse. Some, and maybe two, maybe two. Uh, I think they're ready for some kind of a exotic, whether it's a flea flicker, a double pass, or whatever. Uh, again, I you've got to make it calculated. See if you find a safety that tends to bite. You know, guys that a little more aggressive on the run. I wouldn't just pull it out of my bag. I'd make sure it fits. But some kind of an exotic, and maybe another screen. And maybe a screen they haven't seen because this last screen, they look like they'd never practiced one screen in their life. Now, they did a pretty good job of shutting down those vertical running lanes in the run game, but they didn't do a very good job of stopping that screen. And maybe some, uh, maybe change the look on the one you just ran or put in a, a, a tight end screen or something, something like those. Those are all things that uh, I would always keep in a locker, you know, and pull them out for a big game like this. And I mean, it's amazing the, the success that we would have on those plays. Uh, they practice them during two days, you know, fall day, fall camp, and not even use them again until later on, and they still worked out pretty good. And it was all because of the element of surprise. All right. Do 51 asks, Al, if Donovan was in a splint or a cast but dressed, would you play him and let him run or catch the ball? Well, I don't, I don't know. Where's the splint? <laughs> Is it on his arm? Is it on his leg? I mean, I'm not, I don't know. But if Donovan – could play 80%, I'd find a pool. Yeah, I'd get him in there. He just he brings too much to the table in my mind. I mean, I, you got to do something with him. When he's in there, that's a whole different dimension that comes out of the backfield, a whole different dimension that you don't see unless he's in the game. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. When he's in the game, all of a sudden it's rail routes, it's, 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 it's flat routes, it's, it's halfback passes. You know, it's – all kinds of stuff that the other backs probably don't have the skill set for, not quite as good, but he just adds something to your offense. So, yeah, I would definitely play him, and uh, and hopefully he will be good. And I'll tell you another one that I haven't heard anybody ask about is Luke uh, Schoonmacher. I was just about to bring up a well, question. I knew you were going to go now. I want to yeah, elaborate on that before I answer the next question. Oh, where he is? Look at that. Yeah, it says, Al, everyone's talking about Corum, and rightfully so. But Schoonmacher being back along with Colston Loveland, is Ohio State good at stopping tight ends? Not, well, good tight end, nobody's good at stopping, okay? Because that's a position you get a good one in there. You give up. You got to give up too much to stop him. Let me tell you something that's hurt. Let, and let's let's retrace our footsteps a little bit. We're talking about the rhythm of the t- quarterback, right? We've talked about that the last couple weeks. Well, who's been missing the last couple weeks? Luke Schumacher. Who's been catching five to seven yards? Five to seven, maybe more passes a game before he got hurt. Who is the closest target to the quarterback? Schumacher. All roads lead. To Luke Schoonmacher. He is a go-to favorite target of number nine. And he hadn't been there for a couple of weeks. Now we can sing the praises of, 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 of Loveland, uh, Bradison. I think they're good players, but 
but he does not have the go-to mentality to throw the ball to those guys that he does to Luke. Some There were times I think people were thinking they were throwing at him too much and not enough to the receivers. But you want rhythm? Get him back. Because I bet if he's back, you're going to get some rhythm. No doubt. All right, we'll call this the last one. All right. Mark Edwards says, we need to take some plays from the Maryland game and spring them on Ohio State after a few quarters. The RPO to the right side with J.J. is going to be our bread and butter. That much I am sure of. I don't know where the certainty comes from, but I don't think the idea is bad. Mark, draw that sucker up, send it to me, let me look at it, and I want you to block every single front against every single coverage and tell me what the quarterback's reads are, what his alternatives are, and if he may have to audible. I'll put that sucker in if you do that. I promise you I'll get that play. He just said no, I'm, I, hey, I'm, 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 I'm kidding. I think uh, – I, I, I do think RPO's got to be part of it now. You just got to decide how much, but they just – they haven't done them a lot. And to think that, you know, you're going to run 10 in this game, I'm just having a little trouble envisioning that. But do I think he can run him? You bet I think he can run him. And, I, again, I'm going to say this, Sam, I think they got to run him some in this game. I think they got to run him some. And not just on option runs where he's, you know, pulling zone reads and all that, you know. I think you got to let him be a ball player. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, mean, I, I hear you and Devin talking about his mechanics. I'm not arguing with you guys as the experts at all. He, and he knows. I mean, no one is a, uh, a a harsher critic of J.J. than J.J. Like, he's all over. I need to work on this. I need to work on that. So he knows that. But he's a ball player, Al. And sometimes, man, it may not be picture perfect. It may not look like it's supposed to look. But in certain respects, and I'm talking about whether he's on the move and, you know, his comfort zone plays. He could just make it. He could drop a snap, pick it up, scramble. Fine, fine, CJ. Oh, right? Denard play. That's a Denard play. When Denard dropped the snap, that's when you were in the most trouble. <laughs> he turned it into a seventy-yard run. Yeah, you gotta let him go a little bit. You just here's the deal. Uh, and I use the uh, Steve Young equation because he reminds me a little bit of Steve Young, although he's taller. He probably got a little more arm than Steve Young. But Steve Young came to the San Francisco 49ers in the nineties and wanted to run all the time. You know, he wanted to take out. He could run now. He was fast. And he would use his legs before he'd use his arm. And Steve has uh, something he wrote in an article that I read. When he became a great quarterback is when he learned that you pass for yards, you pass for miles, you run for yards, and you pass for miles. So uh, I think if J.J. just keeps that in mind, he can do all the stuff he ever wants. He won't be a robot. He'll be a guy that will. Raise hell with the defense when doing stuff that you don't draw on the board. But he's got to give what you draw on the board a chance every time. Yeah, no doubt, Al. I know you don't typically do this, but uh, can can you pick this game? Or you you you're backing out of that. You don't want to. You don't want to. No, pick this game. no, no. Well, wait a minute. If you think I'm going to pick against Michigan? You crazy? I don't care if they lose the whole starting line. But look, because uh, I, I you know I, I, this is in Vegas, so I can be nebulous if I want. If they got Blake Corum. And the weather isn't perfect. Be a happy bus ride home from Columbus or whatever they're doing. Without Blake, I still ain't counting them out. Because I think in these games, guys tend to step up. Michigan is sick of Ohio State. I'm sick of Ohio State. You're sick of Ohio State. They won for a long time. It's time 
to catch up. And I don't care who's in the lineup. So that's my pick. Yeah, they, Ohio State's like a bad fungus. And like that, that athlete's foot. Like, that's an insult to the fungus, like, Sam. Ohio State is like jock itch. They're like a hemorrhoid. You know, you need the Tufts medicated pad to take care of them. <laughs> I'm just saying, Al. The evil empire, Sam. get rid of them, man. The evil empire, Sam. Come on, man. I'm just evil saying. Empire. You got to love this, though, folks. You got to love this dynamic. Two undefeated teams. I'm with you, Al. I, I mean, I understand. Chips are, are down when you have your best players hurt. But you have other guys that are capable of rising or raising their games to another level. And I just, I think J.J. is that dude. I think no, he's capable. Right. Uh, certainly coming off a game where he struggled, I think that's a recipe for him to come out uh, and play the best game he's played. I think that's what we're going to see. Time will tell, though. Listen, folks, if you like this program, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. That's if you're listening to the to it on our podcast platform. They can get it wherever they get their podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. Of course, you can also follow us on YouTube like a lot of you are. Be sure to like the videos. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. That way you'll get a notification every time we put another one up. But last and certainly not least, 75% off annual subscriptions over at the MichiganInsider.com. The Black Friday deal came early. Doesn't get better than this. A whole year, that gets you through signing day. Gets you through Michigan, Ohio State. Gets you through uh, the Big Ten Championship. Gets you through the playoff, right? Gets you through spring recruiting. Next season, even. All of that covered for 75% off. You cannot beat it over on the MichiganInsider.com. Why wouldn't everybody do that, Sam? Why wouldn't everybody? I'm trying to I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, and maybe, maybe just maybe one of these events, you know, we'll have one of these team events where we have a bunch of copies of Deny of the Tiger that we can get signed by this author right now. Now, that's a good idea. Deny the Tiger, been out for a little over a month selling some copies, baby. I'm telling you, I am reinventing myself as the next John Steinbeck. John Steinbeck is from my hometown, Salinas, California. I always go by the Steinbeck house whenever I go back home, and they're going to have a gorgeous house here in about 100 years. So deny the tiger, Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Uh, oh, you know what I did today, Sam? I went into Barnes & Noble. They didn't have my book. Oh, Why? they sold out. So I told her, where's my book? He goes, who are you? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I told him, uh, I'm not John Steinbeck, but I do have a book. I showed it, and they ordered some books, Sam. I had to twist yeah. his arm, but they ordered them. So you can go. get it in, a, in about a week or so. You'll be able to get it at uh, the Barnes and Noble down. All right, folks. Well, we'll be back next week breaking down this game, breaking down Michigan, Ohio State. You know where to find us. Be sure to tune in next time for the next edition of the Michigan Football Breakdown focused on the offense with Al Borges. Go Blue.